We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. It's Big Blue Banter, the answer to all your Giants matters. From run game to coaching to Bob Shepard's timbre. Hosted by Dan Schneier, analysis on fire. A Giants fan since day one, now preaching to the choir. Joined by Nick Filato, breakdowns with bravado. Passing you the facts like he passes on gelato. From just outside New York, a couple football dorks. A killer podcast when Dan says receiver corpse. They do the play-by-play, dropping almost every day. These experts know the X and O's just like Danny O'Shea. They do the review of the All-22, dissecting every throw. OCU Manora lit up in Venora when he was a guest on the show. So there you have it, a podcast for Giants fans who are rabid, who can't wait for Sundays, the NFC East, the Fantasy League standards. We'll see you back here. It's Big Blue Banter. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Bellato. Today we get a chance to actually break down something positive. Not fully positive. The Giants lost the game. They're 2-6, and six, but... It was a very positive performance by a defense that's now put together two impressive performances in a row. The hope is maybe they can build on this, not just moving forward for this season to grind out some wins, but also moving forward into the next season. This will largely be the defensive unit that the Giants will have next year, the one that we saw in week eight against the Chiefs. Maybe a few additions here and there, nothing crazy. There's no free agency and uh, really to work with. And then uh, obviously the draft should mostly be focused, I would think, on the offensive line, but we'll see what happens there. But it was a great performance. I know the Chiefs have been playing poorly on the offensive side of the ball, specifically Patrick Mahomes for who he is, but it doesn't matter. To, to have this kind of game against Mahomes with Tyreek Hill healthy, with Travis Kelsey on the field, though, he didn't really look that healthy. I'm interested to get your take on that, Nick, because I thought this was a weird game from Kelsey. I have Kelsey in a lot of fantasy leagues, pretty much all leagues, actually, at this point. And I'm debating trading him after what I saw in the All-22. But, you know, 
everyone besides Clyde's Edwards Hilaire, who hasn't even proven to be that big of an asset for them on offense, was healthy for the Chiefs in this game. The Giants, for the most part, shut them down. I mean, again, seven of the 20 points the Chiefs scored came off a Daniel Jones interception that was returned to the 10. I know they obviously had to convert in the red zone there, the Chiefs, but really just an incredible performance by this Giants defense. Reminiscent, like I said, in past podcasts of that Seahawks 2020 game from Patrick Graham as a, co- a play caller coordinator and then from the defense these are the guys on the field making plays in sync and coverage everything was comp you know we talk about confidence with this defense well the confidence was there in this game and you saw it on film nick were you as excited about watching this giants defense as i was and did you come away thinking you know what i feel pretty good at least about one side of the ball right now feel really good man just like you said dude it reminds us a little bit of that seattle game back in 2020 and just the overall i guess feel of the whole 2020 defense we were really high on this and stopping patrick mahomes despite the fact that they're not as great right now is still a successful feat to kind of accomplish i would say and i thought the giants defense what they were doing on the back end all these things were about to go over was really really impressive and uh, i'm proud of this giants defense again because it was not looking great in the beginning of the season and for those who can hear it in the background right now, we got a new special guest of the podcast, Nick's new dog, making his first appearance on the pod. So shout him out. Give him a little shout out. Oh, Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. He's a little upset right now because he's not getting the attention and love that he normally gets. But uh, he's a good little puppy, man. Little English Bulldog Boston Terrier mix, about seven-eighths English Bulldog, one-eighth Boston Terrier. One of the cutest things I've ever seen in my life, and and I love this little guy. But uh, he can uh, he could be a lot sometimes, as you guys can hear right now. So apologies for yeah. that. It's all right. He's excited, too, about this Giants defense, about Patrick Graham. I mean, it's good because, listen, a few weeks ago, we were at the point where we're, you know, asking ourselves, is Patrick Graham even a solution for this team going forward? The Giants just paid him a lot of money to stay with the team this offseason and to not consider any head coaching jobs, which, you know, he was getting a little bit of head coaching buzz this offseason. I believe it was the Jets, if I remember correctly, who were considered uh, interviewing him. They obviously uh, settled on Robert Salah. And he signed a big deal. Like the, the details of that contract were not revealed, but I would imagine he's somewhere in the top 10, probably the top five among highest paid coordinators on the defense side of the ball in the NFL. The Giants have never been shy to pay their coordinators. And so I feel really confident after these last two weeks that, you know, we can move forward with Patrick Graham as an asset for this franchise. The Giants need assets. They need positive things to move forward with right now. They're two and six. Um, They've obviously been, I believe it's the best they've done in these four past four years has been two and six. So there hasn't been too much positive as far as the wins and losses go yet, but having a coordinator like Graham gets me confident moving forward. My question for you would be this before we dive into anything with the game, Nick, a lot of people have came to the conclusion that, you know, Graham was trying to kind of overcomplicating things in the first, I don't know, let's say, all weeks until the Carolina game and and then kind of started to simplify things starting last week and get back to what was working last season. And the giants have found a lot of success via that. Do you think that's a fair uh, depiction of what's gone on these past two weeks? Or do you think it's more so just the players starting to play better and more confidently? I think it's a little bit more so if the players started to play better and a little bit more confidently. There have been coaching tweaks. There's no doubt about that, but it's not solely just because Patrick Graham was trying a lot of different things early on. And just like every. Sounds like everything's going on in Phoenix, Arizona with all the ambulances outside as well. Yeah, I'm not necessarily of the belief that it was just Patrick Graham trying to get a little bit too cute because the players weren't executing their assignments. We broke it down 
throughout the last eight weeks. There were plenty of blown assignments, players losing in man coverage. I think in this game, the Giants ran man coverage about eight or nine percent of the time. So they weren't in man all that often. They were predominantly in zone. And that reminds me a little bit of 2020. They were running a little bit more man coverage, I would say, throughout the earlier parts of the season. But it's all just been kind of matchup based. So I don't necessarily believe that it's all on Patrick Graham. I think it's as always collective, but it was also players not executing their assignments and being a bit out of position. Yeah, that's fair. Cause even if you look at the early stats from the season, they were just slightly above those percentages in man coverage. I mean, it wasn't anything egregious. It was, it was, I mean, it was double 8%. I think it was at 17.8 leading into that Carolina game. If I was, if I remember it correctly, but still predominantly zone uh, for this defense. Uh, so I don't know if that's a fair accusation to say, or assessment to say like, you, you simplified this defense. I know that we, we hear that term so often with like coaching, like, Oh, they simplified things. And that's why it got better. I think more so it's, it's, it has a lot to do with, the players playing a lot better and more confidently you saw in this game like they were confident in this game plan they had it's that they, they didn't you know it wasn't rocket science in a lot of ways like they were doing a lot of the things that teams have done to slow down the chiefs lately but they also had some really confident uh some really timely play calls which we'll go over that played a big role in limiting this chiefs offense as it did i mean again this chiefs offense really didn't put together a Chiefs type game that you expect when you when you when you got when we looked at this game into the season we would have never thought the Giants would have had a chance to win this game uh, only scoring 17 points and obviously you know 17 wasn't enough in the end but they did have a chance they they got the ball back with like what a minute 30 uh, with a chance to kind of drive down and get into field goal range which is pretty close for somebody like Graham Gano obviously neither of us felt too confident about that given what we saw from the offense in the game but they had that chance so let's dive into this this uh, drive by drive and then get into some superlatives talk about some players the coaching everything we want to touch on that means a lot moving forward for this team first drive wasn't a great one for the Giants but it was kind of what they had planned like bend but don't break and once you get into the red zone the Giants made a really good play now I, I think it was a little bit lucky because it the pass was pretty on target but it was it was a hot it was a hot ball and it hit off the guy uh right off his helmet and then tipped up in the air for a long time. And then Julian Love kind of broke on the ball and made the interception. But what did you see from this first drive that stood out to you from the Giants, I guess, schematically and just individual player wise? Just overall in the entire game, the Giants ran a lot of like cover four and cover six, some cover two as well. They were eliminating the Chiefs ability to attack the field vertically and trusting their cornerbacks on the outside to execute the right leverage and technique. And I feel like Adoree Jackson and James Bradbury did an excellent job. But early on in this first drive, you saw on that first draft, Kansas City used a ton of motion misdirection, just a lot of eye candy to try and spring short passes for long gains to Tyreek Hill. And we saw that a lot. And then I thought the New York's safeties and linebackers did a good job reading their keys and kind of not being fooled by all of that eye candy for the majority of that drive. Because the Giants, they bent a little bit, surrendering the flats to the Chiefs. Sound strategy they employed basically the entire game. They were primarily, like I said, in the two high defenses, cover four, cover six, putting the emphasis on stopping all those vertical routes, which they, I thought, did fantastically. And I want to, like... I don't know, man. You watched the defensive film. How many times were you like, oh, wow, dude, like the Chiefs were really trying to hit that. And then Adoree Jackson was all over it. Or James Bradbury was all over it. You know, Julian Love, Darnay Holmes even. It was definitely a great game plan. I also thought on this first drive, Dexter Lawrence had some really nice plays, stacking and shedding some of those interior offensive linemen and tackling Darrell Williams at the line of scrimmage or like one yard beyond it. Logan Ryan did an excellent job relating to Travis Kelsey's route on that interception, which kind of removed Travis Kelsey's. I think that was one of Mahomes' first read and that made Mahomes go off of him and look towards Josh Gordon and Jarek McKinnon when 
think Cam Brown and Jay Crowder were right in his face. And that's another reason why Mahomes had to kind of throw it a little bit awkwardly. And Josh Gordon kind of went for the ball, didn't really get it, hit off Jarek McKinnon's helmet, popped into the air. It was a, it was a good overall drive. And the Giants were actually opportunistic when they had to be, which is something that we've chastised them throughout the season for. So, I mean, I'm glad that the, uh, they, they bent enough but didn't end up breaking in the end. Sadly, we know what happened on offense about two plays later, but obviously that's not on the defense at all. It was a it was a good drive overall. Yeah, and then that obviously, the interception by Jones, put them back in scoring range. Uh, they converted there on that third and six. I mean, it looked like the Giants did a good job like to get them into that third and goal situation. But And even on that third down play, it was just seems like a great play by Mahomes to me and a great play by Hill. Um, anything to take away here from this scoring drive to get up seven, nothing for the chiefs. Yeah. Like we said, the defense put in a tough spot. I thought Dexter Lawrence did a great job on the second and six. This is the second or third time this season. We're applauding him for this. It was a screen pass and Lawrence just read it so well to force a third down. And on the third down, the, the touchdown to Tyree kill the giants dropped eight in the coverage there. They only sent three love kind of bit down on Nicole Hardman's snag route, which opened up space towards the back of the end zone for Tyreek Hill to just kind of get his way to the middle of the field before Julian Love could kind of realize it It was like a scissors type of release in a condensed area. And Hill just kind of found that soft spot, ran into space and Pat Mahomes put the ball right there. And uh, also Quincy Roche, because they send three, he split a double team and actually forced Patrick Mahomes to step up into the pocket on that play. It was a pretty, pretty nice play by Quincy Roche, who impressed me all game in his, with his snap count. Yeah, Roche is a player who we talked about a lot in the pre-draft process as somebody who, you know, I thought was a bit overrated when we was discussed in like that day two range, that early day two range, ended up falling far in the draft and then didn't make um, the Steelers team. But he's a good fit for what they do. Like he's a good fit for this specific system. So that may make him more valuable to us than it would be any other team. And he was obviously a productive player too, like at Miami. So I think the giants could be onto something there. I hope it'd be nice to kind of hit on somebody at the edge position late. And you're not lit, not late. They obviously didn't draft him, but just, you know, not having to use anything major here. He ended up playing, I'm trying to get the exact numbers here. He ended up playing a total of 50 snaps in this game. So Obviously a season high for him playing a huge role with Carter out that could probably, I mean, I would think that would tend to be something you we would see going forward and maybe he can even carve out a role. Would you think he could carve out a role even with Carter? If he comes back into the mix, he definitely should. I know Patrick Graham loves Lorenzo Carter, but it's just not there with him right now. And I think Quincy Roche offers a little bit more in terms of rushing the passer, which is upsetting to say, man, because I had a lot of high aspirations for, Lorenzo Carter, I still think he's a, a great athlete. He's just not getting home as a pass rusher, and his athleticism has been zapped a little bit by the Achilles injury that he suffered last year against Dallas. So I hope we see a little bit more Quincy Roche, maybe an even snap count, and uh, get both of them to be a little bit more fresh and not have to play, you know, 50 or 60-plus snaps whenever Carter does come back. Yeah, and that seems like – I mean, listen, with Carter, we know – we had some high hopes for him. Obviously, a lot of it had to do with the fact that he looked or we just the reports we heard from camp or that he was moving well. We then heard Patrick Graham kind of wax poetic. But the the history of players coming off that Achilles injury still remains what it is. Like, yes, there have been some cases recently where players have done a good job coming back off of it. But ultimately, there's a large overwhelming evidence that, they, you know, you, you lose your athleticism. And for somebody like Carter, athleticism was a key part of what made him a good prospect. He really never realized it at any point in his Giants career. There were flashes. There was no sign of consistency there. But 
if he's no longer that athlete, I'd be interested in seeing Roche kind of at least carve out a half a 50-50 role there. One thing you mentioned uh, that I wanted to get into, we need to discuss it more as we go forward, but I really did feel like watching this game, part of the a big part of the reason why the Giants were able to hold the Chiefs off for so long in this game was the play of their cornerbacks and the play of these defensive backs. We thought this would be the strength of the unit going into the season. It wasn't always the case in the start of the season and through, you know, all the way up until that Carolina game. But kudos to Dory Jackson, James Bradbury, because they were tough uh, tasked with a really difficult job to kind of slow down these Chiefs receivers. I know at this point, it's really just Tyreek Hill and a bunch of kind of role players for the Chiefs. But at the same time, they have speed on the field. Uh, at all times, really. And these guys have been playing with some of these guys have been playing in that chief system for years and know the the routes inside out. And so it was a difficult task that the Giants kind of put on both Adoree and Bradbury. And I thought both of them played some of their best football this season. Absolutely. And we'll talk about it here on the next drive, what the Giants ended up doing with James Bradbury. They they had him on Travis Kelsey manned up at like the number three position several times and had him pressing Travis Kelsey. James Bradbury was all up in his grill, man, giving him a lot of problems. And sometimes when they wanted to use James Bradbury on the outside on a receiver, they would put Julian Love on him. And I, there was one play where Julian Love just pressed him to the ground, bro. And I was like, oof. I was like, damn, Travis Kelsey's just getting kind of manhandled out here. I'm like, what the heck's going on? Yeah, I even saw a play. I'm now I'm trying to remember now who it was, where I believe it was, it wasn't Ziminens. I it might have been Roche, where he just kind of was it Roche? No, it was Ojolari. Did you see the play where Ojolari just kind of tossed Kelsey to the ground on a run play and just kind of slammed him down? Did you see that? Towards was it towards it was towards the end of the snap, end I think. The, yeah, towards the end of the yep. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, great to see. I mean, Travis Kelsey's a, a he's a solid blocking tight end. He's not known for a right. blocker, but it's not necessarily somebody you would think would be tossed to the ground. He definitely yeah. seemed out of sorts in this game. So out of sorts. Kelsey, they this was a weird game watching Kelsey on film. He seemed incredibly out of sorts. Maybe he's just playing through an injury. I know somebody there's like a rumor online that he was hung over for this game. Did you see that? I did not see that. No, <laughs> I saw that somewhere. I just try to find out where I saw that. If anybody who's listening to the podcast saw that rumor as well, hook me up and DM me or uh, get at me on Twitter with where you saw that rumor. Too. I was hung over. That's probably not true. I know he's playing through like a little wrist injury he had the week ago, but he didn't look he didn't look right at all in this game. But the Giants did a great job of shutting him down regardless. I like what you said. I mean, this was the drive. We're getting to this next drive. Six plays, 10 yards. The Chiefs moved the ball and then got into a first and 10 from their own 35. Three straight incomplete passes before the punt, one of them targeting Travis Kelsey. Um, love what the Giants did, putting Bradbury on him. Anything specific from those uh, three plays that stood out to you? Yeah, Brad Bill- Bradbury manning up on him. We'll, we'll talk about that. But the third and sixth play, I felt like uh, the Kansas City Chiefs attacked the flat like they were doing all game here because the Giants were surrendering it. But on that third and sixth play that they ended up converting on, the Giants ran man to the cover two side of cover six and then the cover four side had the space to the flat, which was Dory Jackson's side. Chiefs used Tyreek Hill in motion towards that side and then just got him right to the sticks. There's not much Dory can do because he's so off in such an off alignment there, giving up a lot of uh, space and sadly to the cover four side of cover six. It was an easy completion. Aaron Robinson was the flat defender there and he had to account for Travis Kelsey running a little hitch. So he couldn't get out there either. So it was moved to sticks there. But as we said, man, the Giants combated that Kelsey problem in a way that we love to see throughout the entire game. 
and just Bradbury shadowing him, man, just shutting him out. It was a great Chiefs kept attempting to take advantage also in this on this drive of the Giants deep. The coverage I felt was really good. Kelsey couldn't break away from James Bradbury on that second and 10 curl. James Bradbury was just all over him. And then there was the first and 10 deep over where there was a safety playing outside leverage on Kelsey as well. Bradbury just, I felt like had an amazing game here. Also, I don't know if you picked up on this because we didn't discuss it before the podcast. I love the way that Patrick Graham used Xavier McKinney's skill set in a diverse and unique way on this drive. I mean, Graham tasked him to carry Tyree Kill's streak on the first and 10 shot play from incredible depth. He was like 20 yards off the line of scrimmage and he ended up manning up because of because mo- motion kind of put McKinney on Tyree Kill from like the number three position. And McKinney just carried him and just shut him out on that one play, just prevented Mahomes from unleashing a deep pass. And he was also used in a pre-snap too high set that transitioned to straight cover one man at the snap. And his task there was to man up on Daryl Williams from a depth of about 20 yards. And he just flies down and gets himself into position. It's just obvious that Graham trusts McKinney's range and ability to disguise and react in a prompt manner to eliminate passing options despite a lot of space between him and his assignment. I mean, he can man up on the running back from a two-deep shell. He could take Tyree Kill from a number three position. It's just uh, this is what we expected from Xavier McKinney. You know, versatility, a lot of different options for his defensive coordinator. And I feel like in this game, we probably saw it used, used to, the, to his potential the most out of any other game that he's played yet in his young NFL career. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think what you said is best. I mean, what got us so excited about McKinney in the first place was his ability as a deep half safety. They used him at Alabama in a lot of different ways, but on at least a third of the snaps his final season, really his best snaps were when he was in that single high look as the deep half safety. And the Giants haven't had a safety like that since Kenny Phillips. And we've wanted that. And, you know, there's been a lot of, we've been somewhat harsh on McKinney this year. He hasn't played great this year up until this game. But part of that could just be that he doesn't have much experience. Like we we always forget, like, it's not really year two for McKinney, right? Like this is almost like his rookie season. I know he was mentally there last season and able to take mental reps, but he didn't take many physical reps due to the injury last year. And he still could be in some ways, you know, just rounding out, not into shape, but just like coming back off the injury and mentally kind of immersing himself within the speed of the NFL uh, and this Patrick Graham defense. And so you have games like this where he's playing the role we thought he could play as that deep high safety. He played a lot of different roles in this games, but he's doing well from depth, which is exactly what you said. And that's what you want to see, because if the Giants can find a safety they can trust in that deep half role, it's going to change everything for this defense moving forward. You're going to see a lot more games like this one in Carolina, and you're going to see a lot fewer games like we saw at the beginning of the season with guys like Taylor Heineke and Teddy Bridgewater kind of tearing them up. So McKinney's uh, progression is probably the most important thing, I would say, on this defense moving forward. I can't think of any other player as far as just progression goes. Like, we know James Bradbury plays well already, has to play well. Leonard Williams, et cetera, et cetera. But besides maybe Ojolari, I can't think of any player whose progression from this point on the rest of the season is more important for the Giants moving forward in their future. Yes, Ojolari is the only one that that would be in that conversation, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. All right, we move on. The Giants actually score. So now it's 7-7 game. And they then they force another three and out here uh, on the fourth drive. So just really starting to put the pressure on on defense. Again, it's two straight incomplete passes to end this drive. One to Kelsey with Bradbury in coverage. One to Hill. Or I'm sorry, with uh, one to Hill with Bradbury in coverage. So anything to take away from this drive, this three and out? Yeah, man. Great drive. James Bradbury almost came away with just an excellent play on the football 
on a almost interceptions because the Chiefs, man, they tried manipulating him and he's too smart. They tried clearing him out with the number three wide receiver pivot route, which with a little bit of pre-snap movement as well to open up a throwing window for Tyree Kills dig from the number two spot of a three by one set. And Bradbury just read Mahomes and knocked the ball down. It's just such a disciplined play. Great awareness from Bradbury. That was, I believe, second down. And also, uh, Dexter Lawrence had another great tackle on first down before that play. And then the third down was a two-man under. And I loved what I saw from all the de- all the defenders on that play, but especially Aaron Robinson, man. There was a double move from Tyreek Hill over the middle of the field where he was basically running a an in type of route. Somewhat. It was like a little bit of drag from depth. And then he just planted his outside foot in the ground and kind of tried to turn it back upfield. Robinson was kind of all over it. And I thought that was a uh, a great thing to see from the young kid in his first action against one of the best wide receivers in the league. And also Leonard Williams did a good job getting some pressure on Mahomes, forcing that incompletion. Yeah, and it was cool to see them kind of go with Aaron Robinson in this game. He ended up ultimately playing how many snaps? Let's see. Robinson was in for a total of just nine snaps, but at least he did get going and early in this game. So maybe that's someone we can see start to carve out a role. It's a deep secondary. Obviously, Julian loves playing good football for the Giants. Really happy to see him kind of carve out a role for them. Darnay Holmes now starting to play more football, obviously, with Rodarius Williams out for the year. But Good to see Aaron Robinson get involved here, uh, and hopefully we'll see some something moving forward with him. Uh, you know, having a bigger role in this defense because I still think he, I still think all the reasons we got excited about him during the draft process are still there, just because he didn't get to play much, and you know, just because he missed all this time with an injury doesn't mean those are not there. Uh, the next drive for the Chiefs was actually a touchdown drive where they go up fourteen seven here. This was the one where they just ran the ball down the Giants' throats. I think it was let's see a total of one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven runs on this drive. Seven runs on 11 plays here. And the last five plays of the drives are runs from the Giants' 33-yard line all the way into the end zone. I got to be honest with you, Derek Ward did not look fast on any of these runs. I think this was, I mean, this is part of the game plan. Like, the Giants are giving up the run. Like, that's the whole point here. They're playing a style of defense that will be susceptible to the run, and they no longer have Dalvin Tomlinson to kind of help them in these spots. But this, to me, was the drive where I thought most, like, the, the weakness the Giants currently have at the inside linebacker position was pretty pronounced on this. Like you could, you could, you could tell like, cause Derek Gordon, me was not really running well on this drive. It just seems like there were some really big holes for him to go through. I would disagree. I think Derek Gore showed actually exceptional vision. He was, he was cutting back. He was finding the hole. He was making the linebackers pay for being aggressive. He's not overly fast or athletic. I would agree with you there, but I, I thought he did a good job using his vision and decisiveness to, to hit certain holes as they would appear on the backside of plays. I wouldn't disagree that he was doing a good job with the vision from a vision standpoint, but I felt like he looked really slow on this drive. And I felt like they, yeah, I guess it's just him. It's kind of making the giants pay for their over aggressiveness at the second level. I don't know though. I just feel like this, I, to me, it felt like, I don't know. I, just, I can't explain it. I, I, I guess it's just something I saw on film. I got you. Yeah, he definitely wasn't fast. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. This is by far the worst drive by the Giants. And this is adjustments, man. The chess match. The Chiefs took advantage of the fact that the Giants were playing a lot of quarters, a lot of cover for depth, a lot of soft type of coverage. And we're like, all right, we're just going to run the football down your throat. And man, dude, two plays on this drive where Trey Smith murdered Austin Johnson like horribly. And it was the second yes. and one seven yard rush 
by Gore. It was just a pin-pull concept where Johnson was a nose. Smith just bullied him off the spot. Like, there was a second effort, like, bully, where he, like, physically removed Austin Johnson. And I was like, oh, damn. I was like, oh, that was a bad rep right there by Austin Johnson, but a great rep by Trey Smith. You know, like, tip your cap. But then there was the second and five 90-yard game by Gore where it was a wham block. So you a wham block is you allow – a defensive lineman to come upfield unblocked. He's looking around and then you just absolutely come and ear hole him from the back backside, basically a trap with a lineman pulling. And it was Trey Smith, man. And he, he took Austin Johnson and just nailed him to the ground. And Austin Johnson's feet get a little tangled up, but you can see even before his foot kind of gets tangled up, he's well on his way to the ground and Trey Smith's helmet flew off. It, it was it was a well-executed wham block, and it sucks, man, because we talked a lot about Trey Smith, and then you see him actually do it against your team, and you're like, ah, oh, crap, man. That's just absolutely brutal. And then just capped off by a touchdown. This was one of those like deflating type of drives where I was like, oh, man, the defense could really suck after this. But they ended up being resilient and bouncing back despite the fact that they had the ball ran right down their throat. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like it was interesting. You thought at this point, like maybe this was going to be the case for the game. The Chiefs will be able to run the ball easily. And I guess I just felt that way because, again, I just didn't really feel like Derek Gore did as much on this. I just felt like it was blocked really well in a lot of spots. Uh, But the Giants bounced back really well on run defense the rest of the game, pretty much. Like that was kind of it in my mind for like the big time runs for this Chiefs. Like, yeah, we had a couple more that they gave up, but nothing crazy. Um, All right. Giants get a field goal drive. It's 14-10. Uh, Chiefs get the ball back with a chance to score. I mean, it's 245 left, um, but then they start to back up into, you know, they, I think the key play on this was the second and 10 from the Chiefs 30, uh, 42, where the Giants forced intentional grounding on Patrick Mahomes really put them in a impossible spot on third down. So what did you see from the Giants defense on that second and 10? This was more of the Giants just abandoning the flats, playing great defense on the drive, flushing Mahomes off his spot. The Chiefs took the two dumb penalties. One was the intentional grounding on the play where Julian Love just kind of jams the crap out of Travis Kelsey. It's the play I was referencing before. Kelsey ends up falling to the deck, and then Mahomes just kind of throws it away with pressure in his face. He may have thought that Nicole Hardman was running a, a deep comeback route, but instead Hardman kind of breaks inside. And that just caused the intentional grounding right there. But to me, he wasn't trying to complete the pass. He was trying to get the ball out of his hands before he ends up getting sacked. And then I also loved the ghost technique used by Quincy Roche to force Mahomes up into the pocket on another play. He looked, like I said, man, really good in this game. A ghost technique is essentially a speed type of rush where you look like you act like you're going to engage the outside shoulder of, of the tackle. And then you dip your inside shoulder using a, incredible flexibility and bend through your lower half to avoid contact, get the tackle leaning. And then they teach you to grab dirt. Essentially you basically grab dirt. You get so low that your hand can just grab dirt and scoop. And then you just turn the corner and get pressure on the quarterback. Hopefully sack him. Mahomes felt it though, stepped up in the, into the pocket on that play. But I thought that was a great pass rush by Quincy Roche. I put it up on my Twitter. If anybody wants to see it. Yeah. What an awesome thing to hear too. I mean, Quincy Roche, a player again, we talked about it earlier, but the Giants can find any kind of gems in this season. It's going to be huge, especially at the edge position, because then they have to use, you know, they only have so many assets going forward into this offseason that they can apply to this roster. They have basically all their draft picks and then, you know, whatever they can do with free agency, which isn't going to be much there. I think they're slated to have about 2 million in free agent, uh, 2 million in cap space heading into next offseason. That'll be, you know, maneuvered a bit to have more, but more of that has to go to the draft picks, especially with an extra first round pick. So that's a lot more cap space that has to be, um, applied to the draft pick. So it really seems like it's going to be a, a no signing type of off season for the giants and free agency. Maybe they'll pick up some guys that are cut, 
But if they cannot have to use another asset at edge and they can go into the season a little bit confident with, you know, Roche, Ojolari, obviously Carter probably won't be part of that. He's going to be a free agent. And I, I, I think at this stage, it seems unlikely the Giants will resign him. But, you know, if Roche can be turned into a player, somebody you can give him 55 good snaps a game, that changes so much for them in this offseason as far as how they have to really approach this edge position, especially because we know in this Patrick Graham defense, He's proven, at least last season, 2020, he doesn't need elite edge guys to generate a pass rush. They were 12th in sacks last year. I know it hasn't been as excellent this year. There have been times where the pass rush hasn't got there, though I did feel like the pass rush was pretty good overall in this game, just to say, like the four-man pass rushes. And I'm interested to get your take on that later when we go over the pass rush. But it changes the outlook on how you have to kind of build out this roster, in my mind, in this specific system. Um, I personally, I know a lot of people have been like, oh, they need to go edge. They need to go edge round one. Unless there's an edge round one worth taking, I don't think that should be even be, uh, you know, in consideration. And and a lot of these draft classes don't have edges worth taking in the top 10, the top 15. So we'll see what happens there. Um, obviously, that's still far away. So they force the punt. We go into the second half. It's 14-10 still the Chiefs. Giants haven't done anything on offense. Chiefs start to mount a little bit of a drive. They're backed up all the way at their own eight. It's a field position game at this point. Um, and then that drive slows down when they run into a second and eleven. And then finally, a third and eight from their own 39. Anything to take away from this drive that ended in a punt after six plays and 31 yards? Giants football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find New York Giants tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right. You guys ever want to just go and see Saquon Barkley hit a 60-yard run? You know I do. Daniel Jones, fine Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton deep. Well, if you guys want to see that live, please go and visit TickPick.com and use the promo code BANTER. That's TickPick.com slash BANTER. If you use that today, you can save $10 on your first order of the Giants tickets that you desire. Please check that out. It's TickPick.com slash banter. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, some nice Daryl Williams runs, but then they tried to go with Derek Gore and Quincy Roche just did an excellent job on first and 10, avoiding the block and then just, again, bending kind of around a block, getting his hands on Gore and then having a tackle for loss that set up the second and 11, which was Giants surrendering the flats, allowing Michael Hardman to catch the ball, rallying tackle, Adoree Jackson ends up making the tackle for three yards to set up the third and eight play where the Giants, I felt like, did a pretty unique thing with their coverage here, they uh, start and they did this a lot in the game. They would have three safeties basically deep. And this was a three by one set with Travis Kelsey as the backside receiver, but he's in a reduced split basically just outside of the tackle. So he's not really out too far. So the spacing is is pretty tight here. And then Tyree Kill motions from the number two spot to the number three spot. Darnay Holmes communicates with Xavier McKinney, says, hey, this is your guy now. He mans up with I believe Miko Hardman and then Xavier McKinney from the deep, again, good utilization from the deep. He's basically 20 yards deep, about 15 yards deep. just shoots down at the snap and just gets to Tyree kill, gets hands on him, and then just takes away his over route trap. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looks in his direction, sees that he's eliminated. You have three defenders on two of the outside receivers. And then you have James Bradbury manned up, jamming Travis Kelsey, forcing him outside and just playing excellent technique. Patrick Mahomes tries to get him the football, but overthrows him and the coverage is really good there. So I thought that was a really good play call to eliminate Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill in an unpredictable manner, especially in terms of what Xavier McKinney did. Yeah. Predictable manner or unpredictable manner. There were a lot of good examples of Patrick Graham and the giants defense doing things to eliminate Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey from the game plan. This wasn't just simply, you know, drop into cover four, cover six, you know, cover two, whatever it may be, and rush four or three and try to beat them that way. There were specific plays where they tried to take away Kelsey and Hill. It was very reminiscent in my mind of what you saw from like Bill Belichick, for example, in that 2011 Giants Super Bowl. He's like, this is still a uh, Cruz and, and uh, Knicks kind of game. We still got to make sure every single play we take away those guys. Obviously, Giants end up beating him with Mario Manningham, which was awesome, but just an excellent game plan to take away Hill and Kelsey at this stage. Like if you can get those guys out of it, it's really, and, and you know, you're not blitzing Mahomes because that's the stupidest thing to do at this point. You just, you're better off just never blitzing Mahomes. But if you can do that, you can make things difficult for this chief's offense. Giants did that all game. Next drive was the drive where the Chiefs started to get things going. And then Logan Ryan made a really good individual play to force the ball out of Kelsey's hands. Who knows where that drive would have ended up because it still would have been like about third and 12 for the Chiefs after that because they got backed up by um by a Trey Smith holding call or you know once they got into the Giants it was just outside the red zone at the 28 anything specific from this drive that stood out to you yeah man that first and 10 play was almost a huge touchdown to Tyreek Hill and I like the play call there was really good adjustments from Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy on this specific drive I felt like because play call you have Tyreek Hill as a number one receiver to the field right Giants are in a too high defense. The snap of the ball, they go into play action mesh point, and Patrick Mahomes rolls to the boundary side where Nicole Hardman and Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's running it over, Nicole Hardman's running to the flat. So Xavier McKinney, because the Giants rotate their safety down to more of a cover three type of look, Xavier McKinney 
follows Patrick Mahomes to that side, and that opens up the middle of the field. So there's no safety in the middle of the field, and all you have is Tyreek Hill running a deep post from the other side of the formation with Adoree Jackson on him. And this could have went for a long touchdown. Adoree Jackson does a really good job kind of closing the Tyreek Hill, but with a better throw of the football, this is a touchdown. And Patrick Mahomes kind of underthrows it here. It's a far pass, don't get me wrong, but this was an excellent play design to kind of get Xavier McKinney off of his spot, get him looking in another direction to open up a deep pass to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, great adjustment, like you said, by Reed. All right, anything uh, anything from this drive otherwise before we move on to the last one? Or from yeah, sorry, man, to the next one? Yeah, there was a lot of just attacking the flat, like we said, fast three to Michael Hardman with orbit motion. They had a touch pass to Michael Hardman on this drive. They were really just taking advantage of what the Giants were trying to do. Chiefs also diagnosed what the Giants' safeties were doing as well. We talked about how Patrick Graham was using Xavier McKinney well. Well, Mahomes saw that two high defense transition into a one high with McKinney on Daryl Williams, and he just fired the pass right after the snap to Daryl Williams, and that ended up going for 11 yards. So the Chiefs, I mean, they're a smart team, man. Also, the, the pass to Robinson, that was similar as well, just in terms of, you know, attacking the flat, getting him open. As I said, Reed and the enemy designed their number one receivers to just kind of find throwing windows on a post curl whenever the Giants were in zone. So basically, they run a post and then they curl wherever the void of the zone is between the linebacker and the safety. And I felt like that was smart scheming by the Chiefs coaching staff. And I think that was the one play to Robinson I was referencing before on this drive looks like they were going to score and then like you said man logan ryan that was an excellent play just kind of punching the ball out reminds me of peanut tillman a little bit there yeah it is like a peanut tillman type play he's been around the ball a lot since he joined the giants a lot of these forced fumbles and timely spots yeah unfortunately the giants were able to take advantage of a turnover for once it seems um 57 yard touchdown drive on the offensive side of the ball that was the one that ended in the ingram td uh, but then the Chiefs get the ball back and down 17-14 at this point, and they were able to drive all the way down into field goal range. But again, a really good stop here on third down in the red zone. The Giants' red zone defense in this game was just phenomenal. I mean, they had an interception. They had multiple third down stops that led to field goals. And this is against one of the best red zone offensive offenses in the NFL. I know they're not playing great right now, the Chiefs on offense, but they still have the best red zone play designer in the game and one of the best red zone quarterbacks at least over the last few years in Patrick Mahomes when you have one of the best red zone quarterbacks and red zone play callers and designers that's a tough team to stop in the red zone so the Giants were able to do it again here what stood out to you about this drive first off we'll go over the third nine play because I really love that play but there was a third and 11 play before that that I felt like was a really good adjustment by Andy Reid as well because the Chiefs end up kind of coming out in a three by one set Travis Kelsey to the backside, reduced, similar look that we saw before, only the three receivers are a little bit more staggered towards uh, the field side here. And they basically just run all three of those receivers as crossers, all at a different depth. So you have the number three receiver crossing first, obviously, and that's going to attract a lot of attention. But they kind of ignore him and go to Tyree Kill. And then you have Robinson kind of running a drag route. So then on the drag route, Tay Crowder bites up on the drag. But as Tay Crowder bites up on the drag, there's no one to take Tyree Kill, who kind of runs into a wide-open throwing window, catches the ball, and converts on a third and 11 here. I thought it was a pretty good adjustment against the Giants' zone coverage because it creates a bunch of different throwing windows. And there's a lot of receivers running at a different depth over the middle of the field, just kind of putting players like Tay Crowder and even Darnay Holmes into insane conflict here. Darnay Holmes probably should have followed Tyreek Hill here, but he wasn't sure what Robinson was going to do with his route. So it was just an excellent schemed up play by the enemy and Andy Reed on that one. Then the third nine play was just an excellent play by the New York giants here. 
Now, on this one, the Chiefs are in a three-by-one set. Travis Kelsey is the number three receiver, so he's the innermost receiver on the three-receiver side. And the Giants are going to double-team Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Basically, anybody who's going to cross the middle of the field, but the Giants suspected it was going to be the number three and the number two receiver, something that they saw a little bit earlier in this drive on that third and 11. So the Giants have both safeties near the goal line. And then at the snap, Julian Love sets outside leverage of Travis Kelsey. You have the defender covering Tyree Kill and outside leverage. And then you have both James Bradbury and Adoree Jackson just manned up directly over the top of the wide receivers with Adoree Jackson off of Nicole Hardman pretty significantly. So the Giants were trusting those cornerbacks to just handle their assignments. And when Travis Kelsey at the snap and Tyree Kill both go over the middle of the field, both of those defenders are outside of them funneling both of those receivers to both of the safeties. Both the safeties just automatically attach to Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. So you have four defenders on those two receivers with everybody else manned up. And that leaves one defender left, which is, I believe, I, I don't know. It's a defensive back. I think it's Carlson, to be honest. And he just basically plays quarterback spy on Patrick Mahomes. and doesn't allow Patrick Mahomes to do what Patrick Mahomes does and, and pick up yards with his legs. But he ends up shooting basically the B gap, and Mahomes has to step up and away from him, which allows Leonard Williams to get the sack fumble there. Sadly, the Giants didn't recover. That would have been huge in that situation. And uh, the Chiefs end up kind of kicking the field goal, and the score is tied 17-17. This was just an excellent play call by Patrick Graham. I broke it down on Twitter if anybody wants to go check it out. Yeah, check out that video breakdown for sure. Another great play by Pat. This is just a timely call again, like taking away the best players. I think Peyton Manning actually did a good job breaking this one down on the Manning cast as well. Uh, just again, taking away the best players from the from the Chiefs offense and timely call here leads to the field goal. Giants punt on the next drive, uh, and then the Chiefs go ahead and kick that game-winning field goal. Wasn't a terrible drive though for the Giants. I mean, they held them in the red zone again. It's red zone defense has been excellent all game against one of the best, like I said, best play callers in the red zone and, and one of the best quarterbacks, at least over the last few years in the red zone. Uh, what do you take away from this final drive from the Chiefs where they got kicked the uh, game-winning field goal? Yeah, Chiefs are trying to punch it in for a touchdown here, and this is where Carlson, number 31, ends up sacking Patrick Mahomes. He just kind of rolls out on this play and, and puts himself in a position to not throw the football away to stop the clock. It was a smart play by Patrick Mahomes. Giants just man up on everybody. They double-team Travis Kelsey, who ends up kind of becoming – open over the middle of the field there because he releases like he's going outside really great route but then spins inside and kind of manipulates the Giants defenders there Tyree Kill is double teamed on this play as well so it's a similar play call that we just broke down only with a two by two set not a three by one set which causes a lot of difference obviously but it was a it was a still a good bend don't break drive giving the Giants an opportunity to have their offense go down the field and actually win the game or tie the game and send it to overtime unfortunately that did not happen I just felt like on this drive the Patrick Mahomes just kind of nickeled and dimed his way down the field obviously you had the interception that was called back by Darnay Holmes that was just an excellent individual play by Darnay Holmes I don't believe Patrick Mahomes throws that football if if he doesn't see the flag because he peers in that direction you can see it on the end zone angle he peers in that direction towards the ref sees the flag come out comes out but the guy looked open, to be honest. This was, if you watch this play, the receiver, the intended receiver looked open. And as Patrick Mahomes rears up, because Darnay Holmes follows the crossing route, the because the or the Chiefs ran a three-by-one set, and the number three receiver runs a deep crosser, and the number two just runs a little curl. Holmes initially follows him, but he's baiting it the whole time, has his eyes on Patrick Mahomes, and then jumps the route. So maybe he would have threw this ball anyways. But O'Shane Zimenez, I mean, come on, man, stay on side. Like, what the heck are you doing? 
Yeah, it's tough to say if he would have thrown it or not. I know Carl Banks made mention that he thought he would that he didn't see the flag. I don't know. I mean, I th- I think I agree with you. When you look at that end zone angle, it looks like he peers over, but I don't know if he's looking over there for the coverage. It's tough to say. And like you said, it does look open. It's just overall, regardless of how the play result, what how the result of the play was, it's a great individual play by Darnay Holmes on this one. And so. Just excellent stuff there. All right, let's get into some awards uh, for the defense that we're handing out here. Who is your unheralded player of the game? I'm going to go with Quincy Roche, I think, is the unheralded player of the game for me. That's fair. I'm going to go with my boy. I say him every week, and I just love watching him play. I tend to focus on him because I feel like he's so underrated. And, you know, when people talk about the Giants defense, it's a Dory Jackson. You wrote him down, too, so I know you had high, you know, you had a good takeaway from what you saw from him on film, too. But just think he does a really good job at what he's supposed to do in coverage. And I've seen so much bad cornerback play from the Giants over the last three years. Like, you know, people are like, oh, Isaac Gaiden was OK. Well, he was OK in zone and he wasn't even that great. And there were so many times where the Giants it's like cycled through these cornerback twos that just don't play well. And so I think Adoree Jackson, to me right now, I'm happy with that signing because I think he shores up that position better than they could have found in, in a lot of different ways. And so I thought he had another good game. Uh, what was the best play you saw? It was the uh, double team in the red zone that we broke yeah. down a little bit before with Tyreek Hill yeah. and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, there's no, there's no way, there's no way ifs and butts around. I mean, they had a lot of good third down plays in the red zone specifically. It's a lot of good play calls in general, but that was probably the best one. Who was the best player in your estimation on film? I think Adore Jackson could be, but I'm going to go with James Bradbury. I thought James Bradbury looked like the 2020 James Bradbury that we've all come to love. And we've also saw Patrick Graham be like, all right, James Bradbury is our best player in the secondary. We're going to use him like that. Travis Kelsey, man up on him, jam him, harass him. He did a great job doing that. Line him up on the boundary, line him up over the number three receiver. He's very, very versatile. And I like the utilization of his skill set. So I'm going to go with Bradbury. Yeah, I can't dif- I can't disagree with you on this one just from the fact that he, you know, did all those different things, wore all those hats, and matched up in followed Kelsey, matched up with Kelsey. The play you talked about where that they had that dig open with with Hill and he just got his hand up and stopped like from a position you weren't even expecting to make a play on the ball and he was able to make a play on the ball. A lot of timely plays from him. So really a good game from Bradbury. This is what you expect when you pay a player that amount of money and you know, they've obviously deferred a lot of his contracts so they need these kind of games from Bradbury and they got one here. Who did you say, uh, in your mind, who had a bad game on film? Probably O'Shane Zimenez, just for jumping off sides on that play. (laughs) But uh, I I did see he also knocked a pass down and put himself in position to do that. I mean, he didn't do all that much on that play, but still you're in position. You execute what you're supposed to do. So I'd probably go with O'Shane. Okay, I'm going with Tate Crowder. 81 snaps for Crowder, played every single snap in this game. Obviously, the quarterback of the defense with Martinez out. I really didn't like what I saw from Crowder. A lot of times he just over pursues. I feel like he's in out of position a lot, both in the run and the pass game. Uh, and I just feel like he's a liability out there to be completely honest. And part of the reason that Chiefs were able to have that one drive where they just ran the ball down the throats was because Crowder was out of position. I did not, again, I did not personally, I did not like what I said. I didn't think Derek Gore did too much. I guess his vision was good there, but there was just some wide open spaces to run through there. Um, and so yeah, that's a good take. I agree with you. So I'm going to go with Crowder, unfortunately, and and I wish that he could play better. I mean, the Giants need to find a way to to locate some inside linebackers for 2022 and for moving forward. I'm not sure how they're going to do that, but he'd be my guy. How about the pass rush on film for you? 
Pass rush, I think I'm going to go with a 5.6. Uh, I think Quincy Roche okay. gave, gave them a little spark. I, I liked what I saw overall, especially because the Giants were, were rushing three on, on certain plays. Not all that much, but they didn't bring the blitz because you don't blitz Patrick Mahomes all that often. So they were really only rushing four, and I felt like Leonard Williams had a couple good rushes there, but it wasn't anything elite in my opinion. But it's it's difficult to, to, uh, to get to Patrick Mahomes because he's so good in the pocket. So I'm going to probably go with a 5.6. I'll actually go a little higher. I'm going to go like six, eight here. I felt like from my vantage point, especially when I looked at it from the end zone angle on the rewatch, oh, there were a lot of times the Giants, I don't, I won't say like hit Mahomes or sack Mahomes, but like forced him to be uncomfortable and move off his spot with just four man rushes. And considering the game plan in this one where they played so much zone and they played so much to take away the deep pass, if you can get him off the spot, for that for as much as it seemed like they did i got to give them something higher than like an average grade so i even feel like it could have been even higher just given the context there so i'll go six what did i say six eight i'll go six eight for the past i like that i like that what i will say though there were and i, I want to get your take on this i feel yeah. like there were plays where mahomes bailed and he really just didn't have to like there wasn't really that is key. also true that's a great point they even the that's a that's a really excellent point i don't know maybe we just you know, we revere him so much, Mahomes. We don't, you don't always think about some of the things he doesn't do well. And that's a great point. Like there was that one example, I think somebody put it on Twitter of him bailing from that pocket in the red zone, where it was just like no giant defender in sight and four chiefs linemen in front of him. And that was a fun, that was a funny, did you see that screenshot? I did not know. Okay. So but it was I an interesting one. Watching the game. I, I felt that way though, too. I'm like, why are you bailing right now because then you like look down the field and sometimes he's running against the grain of where the receivers are going right. like there'll be one receiver that, that he'll like lock onto and and maybe like another one coming from the backside. but you're running away from where Tyreek Hill is headed and, and sometimes Travis Kelsey and I'm like you don't have to like why are you doing that and I get it like he's a great uh, quarterback in terms of his ability to extemporize and and create a lot when when it's not there but I just felt like he on only a, a few plays I felt like he just it wasn't necessary yeah, actually, I think that's a great take. I agree with that entirely. How about the run defense? This is an interesting one because they shored up after a really bad drive, but they did also have that really bad drive. It is an interesting one because you also have to take into context what the Giants were doing. They were allowing yes. the team to run. So I went with a 4.5 because that, that drive was was bad. They got, they got bitched, essentially, on that drive. But again, they were inviting the run. The Chiefs were like, we oblige. We're going to run the ball. <laughs> and they, the blocking for the Chiefs was pretty good up front as well. But in the totality of the game, I felt like the Giants were okay against the run. So I think a 4.5 is where I'm going to go there. Yeah, it's tough because of that. I mean, I would say I'll go a little higher again, just context based of a 5.9, but only because I feel like they sold out so much to stop the pass that like the fact that they weren't totally destroyed by the run all game is some mm -hmm. credit to the Giants run defense and to the guys tasked with, you know, stopping the run in, in tough spots. So overall, pretty good, pretty good grades there on both sides of the ball. Anything else that stood out to you about this uh, or anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up? I'm hoping that the Giants and it's it's bleak. It doesn't look like the Giants are going to be a playoff team. They're not eliminated yet because the NFC is bad and that seventh wild card spot could be a pretty bad football team there. And the Giants are not a good football team. But I hope this defense can continue to maintain this level of play. They looked good in Carolina. They looked good against Kansas City, and hopefully they can look good against the Raiders. And the Raiders are dealing with a lot right now. You had the John Gruden yep. fiasco, and now you have this Henry Rugg situation, which is just tragically bad. So and they're traveling from the west coast to the east so there's a lot kind of going on there i think the giants could realistically win this football game and i know that's uh 
you know, not not uh, something a lot of Giant fans may, maybe believe, but I, I do kind of feel that way here. What's your take there? That's a good good. So it's kind of another rock meets a hard place. It's it, this game to me is very similar to the last one, but the thing I would say that's di- a little different is the Raiders not only have an extra week to prepare for this, which is always helpful yes. despite, you know, moving uh, west to east, but obviously the rug situation is interesting. It might throw them off. Um, they played better the week after Gruden, so just keep that in mind. But the Raiders have actually been a little bit better in the passing game than the Chiefs this season. As surprising and weird as that sounds, they've been like pretty damn good on a per-pass basis. So that yeah. scares me a little about this game. What scares me also, I think they're seventh in the NFL in pressure rate, the 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 Raiders, and it's not even like just blitz rate. That's like pre- pressure they put on the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So I think that scares me a little bit. I think the Giants could maybe grind toward a similar type game like this Chiefs game uh, where it's like they have a chance at the end. But if I had to guess, I actually think the Raiders will, will, will win this one by double digits because I think the pressure they can put on Jones is a little bit better than what the Chiefs were able to do. I don't think that's a bad take by any means. And I don't know, gun, gun to my head, I have to make a decision on the tally site stuff that I do for Big Blue View on if the Giants will win. I think I might pick the Giants and I'll probably just eat my socks after it because the Giants are, are the Giants and they'll find a way to lose the game. But I, I, it does set up to be an upset spot for the Raiders. And yeah. I don't think and I think the Giants' defense has been playing well enough to where they can stop a team that's going through as much turmoil as they are right now, losing their number one receiver. Darren Waller's coming back from an injury. His ankle's still, you know, I'm not really 100% certain what's going on there. I'm not even sure if Josh Jacobs is going to be there. I think he might with the chest injury that he's dealing with. But that's what kind of regardless because Kenyon Drake is a good backup anyway. I didn't mean to kind of go into a whole Las Vegas Raiders breakdown here. But you're right, man. I think Derek Carr is wildly underrated. And I know you weren't a big Carr fan, but he – uh. He's playing much better football right now than what we saw, you know, two years ago. No, he's won me over. He's changed his style. He used to be the check down king. It used to just be check down, check down, check down. He's changed his style as a quarterback. He takes more shots now, and he's not afraid to throw the ball downfield. I'm not saying he was ever afraid to, but he's more willing to, um, I should say. And so, yeah, I'm definitely a little nervous about this matchup personally. No, yeah, I I think that's fair. I think that's completely fair. Okay, good stuff. For those of you, thank you again for tuning in. I know it's tough to suffer. It's it's not easy to listen to all 22 breakdowns for a two and six team. I understand, but it's still important because we have to understand that there. This is the, this is the roster. I mean, for the most part, this is it. We have to find building blocks. We have to find positive things to look forward to uh, into next season when the Giants can hopefully be a lot more competitive than two and six at the eight week point. Uh, and and hopefully they'll they'll pick up in the second half of the season. They could very well have a similar second half to the one they had last year. I could totally see that being in the range of possibilities if they can get Andrew Thomas healthy, if they can get Galladay healthy, Barkley, and things of that nature. So we'll see what happens with that. Barkley obviously tested positive for COVID, uh, but was vaccinated, so just needs two tests, I believe, within 24 hours, two negative tests, and he can play. But again, he's also has the ankle injury, so. I would guess we don't see Barkley for this one would be my if I had to just guess. I think they'll probably hold him out to the bye week. But Galladay was practicing on a limited basis today. This is Wednesday when we're recording. So hopefully they can get him back. We'll see what happens. Otherwise, though, have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.